My name is Randy Baker. I'm with Baker Farms. We're in Cold Spring, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, harvest progress is moving across Texas. We're wrapping up harvest in the coastal bend in Rio Grande Valley, but we're just getting started as you move into the Southern Plains and the Panhandle. We'll take a look at the latest harvest progress numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Harvest is going strong for one Texas High Plains crop that has special significance during the fall season. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Beef Council promoting the nutritional value of beef at the State Fair of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. And we'll get an update on the cotton crop in the Lubbock area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas harvest progress numbers are in from the Agricultural Statistics Service, and it shows that rice harvest is leading the way at 93% done. Sorghum comes in second at 82% complete. Then we have corn at 72% complete. Soybean harvest in our state now stands at 31% done. That's well behind the 55% five-year average. And cotton harvest continues to move across the state. 25% of the cotton crop now harvested. That's ahead of the 21% five-year average pace. The Agriculture Department is continuing its efforts to support fair and competitive meat and poultry markets. The second iteration of our Strengthening the Packers and Stockyards Act really focused on making sure that in circumstances where producers have been retaliated against or discriminated or whether there's been undue prejudice as a result of producers exercising their rights, that we gave producers a more balanced relationship with the companies that they do business with. That's Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, who says the new competition and marketing integrity rules will soon be published in the federal register with public comment accepted soon after. A preview of those rules are available on the Agricultural Marketing Service website. Vilsack also announced a $15 million agricultural competitive challenge to ramp up collaboration with state attorney generals on enforcement of competition laws. And speaking of competition in the meat industry, meatpacker JBS has agreed to pay $20 million to settle a lawsuit with consumers that accused the giant meat processor of conspiring with other meat companies to inflate the price of pork. 
This latest meat industry settlement will likely reinforce concerns that the White House, members of Congress, and trade groups have raised about how the lack of competition in the industry affects prices. The pork lawsuit is just one of several price-fixing lawsuits making their way through the courts. Meat processors have also been accused of inflating beef and chicken prices, and several multi-million dollar settlements have been announced in those cases. With the massive increase in input costs, farmers need a higher safety net in the new farm bill. That's the word from CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers, Chandler Gould. He says ideally they would like to see an increase in the reference price for ARC and PLC, but that will not be easy to do. I think what a lot of people don't understand is the way the government um, determines spending is completely backwards than how you determine your own spending. So if we're not spending money, so if, we're, if the ARC and PLC program are not paying out, we're actually losing money that we can use to write the next farm bill, which is completely backwards. So that additional budget authority is going to be what determines whether or not we can increase those two programs. Chandler Gould with the National Association of Wheat Growers. Harvest is going strong for one Texas High Plains crop that has a special meaning during the fall. James Hunt tells us things are very busy in the pumpkin fields of Floydata. We're still maybe a week or two out before harvest really gets going for most area crops, but down around Floydata, things are pretty busy in the pumpkin fields. I checked in with one pumpkin grower in that area, Lindsay Pyle, to see how the season's turning out. The quality of the pumpkins has been good. We were definitely hit hard this summer with the drought and the high temperatures. I don't know that the production will be as good as a normal year, but we've definitely been blessed with what we've had considering the weather this summer. Overall, Pyle says yields for her family's operation might be down by at least a third. So a tough year, as it has been for all crops in the Texas High Plains. But the family business known as Pumpkin Pile definitely still has pumpkins to sell. We sell to lots of nurseries, churches, fundraising, have a couple grocery stores that we work with, just all kinds of mom and pop relationships. Mom and pop, perhaps, but their sales territory is pretty big, including Texas, Oklahoma, and a few other states as well. For many who grow pumpkins, it's a secondary crop to something else, like cotton in the Pyle family's case. But nevertheless, pumpkins are a big deal in the Floydata area. I asked Lindsay Pyle why that is. I don't know. It's just a big tradition. Um, it is a lot of work, so a lot of farmers have decided not to do it anymore. But with the help of drip irrigation and pivot irrigating system, the farmers that are still doing it have been able to keep up with the tonnage, even though there's not as many farmers that used to do it. And pumpkins from Floydata will appear on a lot of porches pretty soon. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The State Fair of Texas is getting underway in Dallas. And Tom Nicoletti says the Texas Beef Council will be there, highlighting the state's number one agricultural industry. The Texas Beef Council will have a presence once again at the State Fair of Texas in Dallas Fair Park from Friday, September 30th and concluding Sunday, October 23rd. We go to Adriana Mora, the Beef Council's Consumer Marketing Manager, Adriana, what can fairgoers expect when they visit the beef-loving Texans booth in the Go Texan Pavilion? So the Texas Beef Council will be providing thousands of consumers with an interactive, in-person beef experience. 
It's really an invaluable interactive experience where consumers can get to know the Beef Loving Texans brand and learn firsthand about beef's many benefits and the producers who make it all possible. Also, since its establishment in 1886, the State Fair of Texas has promoted Texas agriculture. So it's really only natural that this is the perfect environment to educate consumers about beef. Both urban and rural consumers will also learn about grilling and barbecue techniques from TBC staff members. Staff members will manage the booth each week. They provide beef cooking tips, including grilling tips, brochures, and information to all that come through the booth. We're also promoting our Season 3 of Texas Beef Council's original series, Barbequest, that is now streaming on Hulu. So we have lots to talk about. They can also have fun by grabbing bumper stickers, playing a Plinko game to win prizes, taking photos in the grilling-themed photo booth, and registering for a chance to win a new grill. That is Adriana Mora at the Texas Beef Council. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Activity is picking up on the Texas Southern Plains as harvest season gets cranked up. We go to Eddie Griffiths in the Lubbock area. Eddie, how are things looking as we head into October? Well, things are going better since we did receive some moisture. and Definitely a good thing for West Texas. Maybe not a great thing for some of the cotton crop because it started a lot of it growing again, a lot of regrowth. Even talked to some producers that talked about some of the fruit load maybe being shed off of that crop because I guess that plant thinks it's starting over. And big concern in West Texas, after all the moisture, the weed populations, trying to get weeds under control, everything was pretty manageable up until the moisture and and the weeds came with a vengeance and, and guys are trying to get those back under control, especially on the irrigated acres where we are going to have a cotton crop, be able to get those cotton strippers through there. They're going to have to try to maintain and take care of those weeds. Well, Eddie, how about the pasture conditions for livestock? Did the rain help out there? Pasture conditions are slowly but surely coming out. You know, it's, it's going to be a very short growing season for those pastures. But as far as wheat is concerned, a lot of wheat already starting to come up and we'll be able to put livestock out on that wheat crop and maybe we'll continue to get moisture through the fall and winter months and that'll sustain the wheat crop. That's Eddie Griffiths from the Texas Southern Plains. Quail hunting is expected to be below average for much of the state, but South Texas and another region could be bright spots. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one cause of lameness in horses is cellulitis. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One cause of lameness in horses is cellulitis. Dr. Bob Judd says it's an infection that causes severe swelling in the horse's leg. Cellulitis is not a disease, but a clinical sign of infection in the subcutaneous layer just beneath the skin. Sometimes legs swell due to edema, and this is a different swelling than cellulitis. Edema in the tissues is non-painful when touched and also indents when you place pressure on the skin. Cellulitis, on the other hand, is very painful when touched, and although the skin may indent some, the indention with pressure of your finger is small compared to edema. The horse is usually lame when moving the limb, and it frequently affects only one limb, and is more common in the hind limbs. Edema is usually more common in both front or both rear limbs, unless an infection is also present. Lots of horses with cellulitis also have a fever and may have increased white blood cell counts, and increased SAA values on blood tests. Dr. Madonna Morrison indicates in the horse publication that severe cases can have abscesses that rupture out of the skin and can lead to sloughing of the skin. Cellulitis can lead to a more severe condition called lymphangitis, which is inflammation of the lymph vessels that drain fluid from the limbs. Inflammation of these lymph vessels can lead to permanent damage and increase the chance of future cases of cellulitis occurring. The most common cause of this condition is infection from scratches of the lower legs or some type of trauma to the legs, allowing bacteria to enter. It is important to call your vet immediately if your horse has a painful leg swelling, so antibiotics and anti-inflammatories can be started soon. Sometimes even surgery is required to allow drainage of infection, but early treatment is necessary in these cases. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail hunting is expected to be below average for most of the state this year. But Jessica Domo tells us there are some bright spots. On our last show, John McLaughlin, the Upland Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, told us that the drought has taken a toll on northern bobwhite quail populations across much of Texas. He's forecasting a below average season for much of the state. But there are a few bright spots for hunters who hope to bag a quail this fall in winter. One of those is South Texas. The other is the Northeast Panhandle along the Canadian River watershed. We know that despite most of North and West Texas not getting good rainfall or timely rainfall this year, that region was the outlier. And we had good range conditions, good habitat conditions, and we believe there was some good production up there. So if you wanted somewhere out in West Texas, Panhandle region in particular, that might be a good area to look along the Canadian River watershed. Hunters in the rolling plains will likely see below average success. The same can be said for North and Central Texas quail hunters. North and central Texas, which we could probably lump into our cross timbers region, we had great growing season grass growth last year, which meant there was a lot of habitat. Unfortunately, there just weren't a lot of birds in that region to take advantage of that good rainfall. And then again, as we entered 2022, we entered into a drought and really didn't get any measurable rain until the midsummer. So unfortunately for the cross timbers region, I think that the hunting process is probably going to be below average. The Gulf Coast region is expected to have below average hunting as well. McLaughlin said East Texas doesn't have an observable quail population. Quail hunting season opens statewide October 29th and runs through February 26th. 
I'm Jessica Dommel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We finally saw things turn around in the cattle trade on Thursday. After a week of closing lower, we had a higher close on Thursday. However, the cotton market continues to fall apart. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After a week of lower closes, it was good to see a turnaround in the cattle market on Thursday. We ended up closing higher on both live and feeder cattle, with October live cattle up $1.07, $144.12, December up $1.50, $147.77, February up $1.17 at $151.35. Same story on the feeder cattle market. September contract getting ready to go off the board. It was up $0.60. 17597. The October up 232 at 177.32. November feeders up 255, 177.82. Cash fed cattle trade mostly steady here in Texas this week. We've sold cattle at 143, same price we got last week. When you look up north, dress cattle sold for mostly 228. That's a buck lower compared to last week's average. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice down 63 at 246.92. Select up 65 cents, 219.86. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass had a great sale in Brenham last Friday. Doug, how'd it go? We ended up with 971 head of cattle. Good. Walk the pens with us, please. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows or your thinner, lower-yielding cows, 38 to 65. Better cows bring 70 to 90. Lower-yielding, thinner bulls, 55 to 85. Your better bulls bring 90, <coughs> 90 to a dollar ten. We had a handful of pairs. Uh, pairs bring anywhere from 550 to 1300, just depending on the cow and calf. Red cows kind of the same way. The red cows bring anywhere from 500 to 1250. Uh, on your calf market. Like I said, the calf market looked good. I thought it was sure about steady to the week before. Uh, two to three weight steers, 150 to 238. Heifers, 140 to 247. Three to four weight steers, 145 to 220. Heifers, 135 to 237. Four to five weight steers, 135 to 222. Heifers, 130 to 235. Five to six weight steers, 130 to 195. Heifers, 120 to 189. Six to seven weight steers, 125 to 178. Heifers, 110 to 168. Seven to eight weight steers, 110 to 158. Heifers, 105 to 147. And 800 to 1,000 pound steers of bull yearlings, 105 to 150. Hefferettes, a dollar to a dollar 26. So it sounds like you had a good sale. What do you know for this week in Brenham? You know, we've got some uh, strings of calves lined up to come. Some really good sets of calves look like they're coming to town. We've got one man that's sending about 50 head of cow. Got pretty dry on him. He's sending the cows and the calves and there'll be, there'll be some little pairs on them and some palpates. Good aged cows, mostly kind of black, red cows. Uh, but uh, that kind of way it's shaping up. Alright, well tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass, for this 
Friday sale in Brenham. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454. Our call share at the office, 979-836-3621. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good week. And, neighbor, you have a good week, too. I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished mixed on Thursday. The nearby October up seven cents, eighty nine forty five, while December hogs were down ten. 7572. Same story in the class 3 milk market. September contract down 2 cents, 1987 100 with October up 9, 2194 100 weights. The cotton market just can't seem to catch a break. Another day of sharply lower prices. USDA released their weekly export sales report Thursday morning. It did not look good, showing only 30,000 bales sold last week. And that compares to 32,000 the week before, so two weeks of very poor export sales weighing on the market. Also, the outside markets putting pressure on the cotton trade with the Dow Jones having a big drop Thursday. We ended up closing with December cotton down 333 points, 85.16. March cotton down 312 at 82.73. December 23 cotton down 153 points, 73.56 cents. Corn and wheat both seeing profit-taking coming into the market after a couple of days of strongly higher trade. That pushes prices slightly lower. December corn down a penny, 6.69 and a half. March corn down a half at 6.76 a bushel. Same story in the wheat trade. December Kansas City wheat down nine and a quarter, 9.66 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down seven at 8.96 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down a nickel, 6.89. November crude oil down 59 cents, 81.56 a barrel. And as we mentioned, another drop in the stock market Thursday. The Dow down 458 points at 29,225. The NASDAQ down 314, 10,737. The S&P down 78 at 3,640. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.